Hello everyone and welcome back to season three of the Fan Fiction Tapes. I'm your host today, Maya, pronouns she, her, and today I am joined by... Dylan, I, I'm the he, him guy, hi. And Brian, he, him. And I am our producer, Ian, also he, him. I don't know why, but every time we do this, I like I make a gesture with my hands and I hold it until we finish with that. Anywho, today's topic is all about ships, rare and common Many people tend to have them, and sometimes they cause problems with a capital P. So the the Titanic was built on... No, <laughs> no Titanic posting is saved for another day. <laughs> well, I thought we were talking about boats. <laughs> no, uh, for listeners who didn't catch our previous episodes on shipping, uh, ship is a fan fiction term uh, for kind of like hoping that two characters will form a relationship of some kind with another. Usually, it tends to infer romantic attraction, but that is largely just due to the way... I'm not going to get into uh, allonormativity in the first like opening minute of the podcast, but... It, yeah, it, it's That is really... not a formative condition. There are times where like, certain dynamics, and you're like, okay... I want these characters to be friends, but you don't often, like, it's very rare that someone makes, like, two characters where you're like, I want these people to hang out together and just have a good time. <laughs> and it's mostly, I want them to explanative. <laughs> be in a relationship. That's where the, that's where the term comes from, after all. Yeah, handhold. Hey, hey, that's filthy. We're trying to keep this PG-13. <laughs> trying as one of the hosts drops several swear words in the intro bit <laughs> so like what what was your guys' like introduction to shipping culture mine was going on like i think bulbapedia and like looking at like pokemon when, when i was like i don't know like 11 or 12 and being like hey what's this ship section i'm oh, going no oh. <laughs> no, it it was very factual because it's a pedia, so it's just like uh-huh. people giving. Okay. It was, it's basically people were having ship wall arguments by seeing who could make the largest uh, bulbapedia page for their ship. <laughs> Fascinating. It's like I will present as many facts as possible to to make my ship the canon one. X with a uh, PH. Um, the ship measuring contest is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, ship measuring contest. <laughs> so my introduction to shipping um, came w- relatively soon after I actually started actively publishing fan fiction. Um, it be- was when I was uh, so I was in the Sonic the Hedgehog fandom at the time. I was. This was about the year. 2000 2001 when uh like the second or third sonic renaissance was on uh there's like 15 of them by now anyway um and uh and there was shipping that was starting to become popular as a genre that's the first time that i really noticed it was during that um then i my my uh I, I understood that shipping existed from that point on, but for a long time I really had almost interaction no interaction with it because I was writing um mostly in a fandom with all asexual characters. So so there's not a whole lot of shipping in that fandom. And it was really be I really became aware of it um when uh I entered into the Ruby fandom, uh where Ruby has so many ships and such a pastime of it that there is an entire spreadsheet with all of the clever names that people have come up for the many, many, many ships that are possible in that show. It's a really big spreadsheet. Yeah, some of them are half-baked, though. Like, people are just like, oh, we need to do this to fulfill the sheet. I'm, I'm some of them are Alaska-baked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Maya, what about you? What do you when we were um, shipping? Okay, so do we? I gotta ask this because there's two answers I can see here. Do you want like intro to shipping culture or like the first time I shipped a character? Because those are two very different uh, answers. Culture, because I think we've all had moments when we were really young, like 
these characters should get together romantically. And then they don't because that's like every cartoon ever because cartoons were cowards. Um, <laughs> I mean, I watched Mythbusters instead of cartoons, so I didn't yeah, have that experience. Yeah. But yeah. Um, in terms of <laughs> Are culture... You sure? <laughs> You didn't, it, didn't the ship. first Sonic the Hedgehog show actually made it happen, okay? They, they did not chicken out. Like, this is like the last frame. <laughs> they called <Anyway>. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for culture for me, it would probably be Ruby, and I'm going to make most of the call feel old as balls here, um, because that would have been probably near the end of my time in high school. I didn't really get involved in fandom until I was a senior in high school. So, yeah. I, like, existed adjacent uh, to fandom for a while, and then I joined the server that we all met in, actually. And it's all downhill from there. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so I mean that happened that was that's a similar time in my life to when I first became aware of that sort of thing, just a different year. Yeah, it's so similar. I I I'm the one who like is was aware of shipping before. <laughs> and it's through Pokemon and people trying to Wikipedia the fandom into the canon. They ship into the canon one in the fandom. <laughs> And kind of speaking of this, this is a bad transition, but actually, wait, we didn't ask Ian. No, you didn't. Ian, do you ship? Probably the first time that I've actually engaged with fandom culture in a major way is actually uh, with Ruby. First via the the r slash Ruby subreddit. uh, And then with the crow's nest. I did watch cartoons as a kid. I don't remember ever wanting to ship characters. So I don't think that's a universal experience, Dylan. (laughs) I'm just, look, it's not like I know apparent people before they know me. It's like I'm like just such a romantic fuck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's what I would describe myself as so I'm always looking at like you know that that's what I find value in in like storytelling is like relationships not just romantic but like just relationships in general so I'm always like yeah that's cool these people are connected they have a thing there's a universality to it right we, the idea is that relationships with other people make those people happy and when we are fans of characters we want to make we want for those characters to be happy and so this is a way for them to be happy and that makes us happy so it's a very shipping is very understandable it's very basic it it speaks to um universal properties of people okay maybe you want those characters to be happy but sometimes i just want to put them through some trauma (laughs) yeah but also we just noted that i'm the only one here who watched like <laughs> mid to late 2000 cartoons yeah well no i've seen them but like after i was already an adult yeah yeah you went in the trenches Maya. <laughs> so do we want to get on to like the main crux here Maya? uh yeah rare and common ships the uh the reason we're having this episode generally rare ships um, i'm gonna start off with this definition even though in the script i kind of internalized it as a definition based on the other one anywho rare ships are usually going to be ships between characters that don't interact much not necessarily that's just they tend to be that way that is a pattern because these are ships that are not necessarily super common in the fandom not many people pick up on this ship And that usually tends to happen more with ships that aren't canon. Right. You can also have rare pairs between uh, between minor characters. Right. Those if those minor characters, a lot of times those minor characters can be canonically uh, together, but it's still a rare pair if like they're side or minor characters and not that many people care about them to the same degree. Yeah, Yeah, um, that actually explains a lot, because at first I I thought you were talking about, like, as in they're under the age of 18. I was like, (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah, oh, other because, kinds of minor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have hard hats and pickaxes. Yeah, no black ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think, and then how do you d- define, like, when you talk about a, a relationship to a common one? Because common ones aren't always just, like, the canon sh- ones. Because you could also get something, like, if we're going to use an example, like, something that's, like, extremely common is a lot of, like, male-loving male ones that obviously aren't in the actual show because <laughs> we live in the society. Uh, but <laughs> there'll be extremely common ships in fandom or, or, like, you'll get something like, you know, typically something like Draco Malfoy Hermione, which, like, within the context of the story makes no sense. But people are like, this is a, an opportunity for me to write, like, this specific, Wait, that's a, you know, that's thing. a common Harry Potter ship? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, my gosh, yes. You want to talk about shipping? Like, I, I'm not, like, involved in the Harry Potter, but I, I've seen it from distance, and it'll be like, oh, yeah, this character who, like, is mentioned in the book and has, like, two lines in this one book... Oh yeah, they have like one thousand ship uh, f- fan fictions which they are involved in, and I'm like, how? You know what? This explains a lot about uh, the locked tomb. <laughs> it, it's basically people assign or, or like treating minor characters or like OCs or, or like you know like plot fillers, and then like it's it, it's also like when we talk about reships, they're also like stuff like you don't realize are common ships until you would go into like a fan fiction fandom like you you wouldn't think by like interacting casually within a harry potter fandom that people would ship that but the fan fiction fandom within about harry potter would then which is very interesting to speak about is like also this disconnect between the fan fiction fandom and the fandom itself yeah i mean i can't really say i've ever read any so yeah but you also can get like some very insular parts in where you're like why is this rare ship got like 70 things about it like these are two extremely minor characters who never talk in the show and then you find out that like one fan fiction fan fiction writer wrote something well and people got inspired off that one thing <laughs> and that made its own fandom within itself you know and and that's something that I think is very unique and very exciting is fan fiction can make more fan fiction. Yeah, derivative <laughs> fan fiction. Yeah. Second order, even. Yeah. <laughs> Math jokes. And so that's one of the, and you you bring up an interesting point when you talk about uh, inspiration. That there's a question of why people would write for a rare ship or why people would write for a common ship, and and there's some trade offs that are inherent there. Uh, if you're writing for a common ship, um, you have the upside of knowing that there's a constituency for it, right? One of my f- works that I'm not the most proud of is unusually popular amongst my works, um, based in large part, I'm going to be honest, on a shipping tag that's attached to it. And uh, so that drives popularity, even though that aspect of it is not the most important. And it's not exactly my finest work. Um, So there's always going to be a constituency for it. Uh, On the other hand, it's extremely hard to break new ground on a common ship. Odds are any story that you can write for a very common ship in a fandom has already been written by at least 30 other people, right? Depending upon the size of your community. Um, Rare pairs are interesting because they're opportunities to make something that uh, is uniquely you, either in the pairing itself or or the direction that you take the story and how you accomplish it. Um, So the question of what ships you're going to write for uh, is partly based upon what you want to get out of the story, and there are trade-offs that you uh, have to make. Uh, Similarly, since you talked about uh, canonicity, about how a lot of uh, ships are more common because they're canon, um, it's easier to write for a canon ship than for uh, a rare pair or a non-canon ship uh, because the groundwork for it's already been laid, and we'll talk about that more later, I'm sure. Whereas with a rare pair, you're going to have to put in a lot more work. So the barrier to entry for rare pairs is higher. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like how we both went for the same response. Yeah, it's agreeing. <laughs> we agree. <laughs> um, I've not done much rare pair writing. I just tend to generally ship ships that are common and tend to align with the way canon leans. This is not necessarily a hard and fast rule, but that is typically the way I tend to lean. And the one time I've really uh, worked with uh, rare ship material, it was, yeah, definitely a lot more work to get the uh, rarity, as it were, going. Yeah, it, it's when you... Because also, you might think something is kind of rare, like in your mind, and then you go and look and be like, oh, this has actually got like a decent, you know, thing behind it. Of course, you can make up... Especially if your show has a large cast of characters like a female alchemist, like a ruby, or you, you know, you do weird stuff with like canonicity in like some games or whatever that has large cast. But it's kind of like you you don't realize how many people write fan fiction and how wild they can get in like, but. Uh, pull two characters' names out of the hat, we can do this. I mean, yeah, I've written the only non-porn uh, fic for <laughs> one uh, rare ship. Congratulations. Whee! <laughs> I mean, I do agree, you know, th that explicit uh, fics definitely <laughs> they amplify yeah, it went. because, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah they, I mean, they amplify the numbers on the number of ships that exist. I, I was a little disappointed when I went looking for some material, for some inspiration to get some ideas. Because uh, I, I thought, yo, what if I did this? Wouldn't that be wacky? Uh, and then I wondered what other people thought about it to see if I could get some inspiration, get some ideas of potentially areas I could work in. And then it was like, oh, it's there's nothing here that's the type of thing I would write. Yeah, because... You you'll, like, look at, like, whatever fandom and be like, okay, this ship, and then the number gets smaller, and then, like, and then you look and go, oh, there's only, like, one teen and above and one, like, kids. Safe to read one. Great. And my options are very limited. Right, so it... It speaks to what you're, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, right? If you're, if you're, if you get inspiration, if you get your ideas based upon what other people have done, then that'll drive you towards more common ships. If you're, if you tend to get energy from exploring, from uh, searching things and poking in corners that haven't been looked at before, then you're going to get a lot of energy from rare pairs. Yeah, it's the difference of having, like, that mass appeal versus the rabid fan base. You know, the rabid people who are passionate and will be more critical, but be even more loving of all your work, whereas when you have that mass fan base, you're able to put out stuff and you'll get a good response, even if it, it's not great. And when you do make it great, it's like, okay, but there's like a ton of other stuff of this level out here as well. Yeah, that that is something that I actually realized I, I wrote another one at one point, but switching from mainly writing uh, fix with common ship material, you know, it was pretty common for me to see a decent amount of comments, you know, kudos and whatnot. That switch was definitely, I didn't see it coming. I mean, I should have, it makes sense, but... uh. Minecraft oof noise. <laughs> yep. So in it's there's not just a popularity difference. It's like we said there's there's more work that's involved as well and and that more work uh comes in a com couple of different ways. Like one of the most common things that you have to do to make a rare pair happen is to clear the deck. And what I mean by that is if you have a character that is canonically shipped with another character and you want to swap it out so that they're going part of a rare pair, well, that's work that you have to do to address why in your story 
the cannon ship doesn't sail. Uh, and there are a lot of different ways that people accomplish this, but you can't just skip it or people will notice and it feels wrong. Like if you're going, you ha- it's, it's justification that um, you have to put in uh, to make to make your alternative stick. Yeah, it, it's like we can't just brush past this. You're going to have to explain to us why the ship that is like, you know, two thirds of this entire fandom's fan fiction. Why? Why didn't you do that one? <laughs> yeah, that's honestly something that sometimes makes me dislike uh, reading rare pairs for rare pairs that I ship that deal with cannon ships that I also ship because that's something you can do by the way fun fact life is free do whatever the fuck you want um well okay don't hurt people but you are allowed to ship the same character with different people exclusively or non-exclusively there's no cops on the internet well okay there are but you don't need to be the cop my if you're a cop you had to tell us okay <laughs> i was going to say let's see how many times maya can say something and immediately backtrack numerous Uh, times um do you know who are not cops soldiers they're tangentially linked and soldiers fighting wars ship wars (laughs) (laughs) that is an awful transition (laughs) (laughs) well that's and that's part of the discussion that we're having about clearing the deck is that uh anytime that, like you said, anytime that you are going to have a uh, ship that goes against canon, you're inevitably going to have people, they're inevitably going to be people, whether they say so or not, um, who are like, why Why didn't you do what the canon one says? And so depending upon the fandom and the nature of the people in it, this can get pretty heated. Uh, different fandoms in different places are cooler with it. Uh, but it is it is a fact of certain fandoms that um, that breaking down a relationship to make another one happen it can be controversial. Yeah, one one of the more dangerous ones though is when you're in like a middle of a show and there are two viable like ships oh, and no. those ships hate each other because they both moment. still yeah they're both still Twilight. fighting for. Can- canonicity yeah it's like no the mine's Twilight gonna be canon no mine is canon your creator said this blah 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 this one's going to be it's like oh god <laughs> or about five years during the middle of twilight hold up let me google when those books came out and so there will be a temptation sometimes that it, it, it sort of depends upon your appetite for confrontation um the the way in which you clear the deck, right? Or the way in which you state, um, or the way in which you set up one ship vice another. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to do it. And the, <laughs> the rougher a method you do that, or the more you denigrate one of the characters or their ship, um, the more evocative it's going to be, the more provocative even. Um, so that's something to keep in mind when you're going when you're thinking about how you're going to clear the deck. Am I clearing the deck by making it so that this just doesn't work or am I clearing the deck by making this character be stupid? Right? There's a temptation to sell to make a hard sell like obviously this is the superior ship. Um because this character is dumb and that that's where we start to get into more mean-spirited territory and where there yeah. starts to be uh, more confrontation for it. And some people dig that, but it, generally I prefer um, softer methods of clearing the deck uh, That because I, I respect and like all the characters, regardless of who's being shipped with whom, and I don't need... I don't need one character to be trashed to justify another character getting to be happy. 
Yeah, I've definitely read stuff in the past where they suddenly decided that, like, oh, yeah, this total good guy, I need to make him a big asshole, a villain, so I can justify this ship. And yeah. It's like, that's, um... Like, you're looking at it and going, that's kind of cringe, because this is so out of character for this person, and I don't... And you've not justified it. It's, it's literally just jealousy, because the other yeah. ship is happening. And that's like, I don't think this character would even be jealous. He'd just be like, sure, fine. <laughs> right, the hand of the author has become too visible in those cases. Yeah. <laughs> we can see the hand of the author coming up through the ass of the character and out its mouth. <laughs> Which is particularly graphic imagery, but I think it fits. Yeah, I I definitely think that to accurate, you know, to accurately portray, you know, you can have, you don't have to portray people with villain or even disregard the feelings of that character, but you know, write these characters like how they would be written. Maybe they are a bit heartbroken. Maybe they want to interact with that character who, you know, who didn't get... they. This fan fiction isn't about that ship, but you can still focus on that character and make that character interesting within the ship itself. Explore that. That's fun. That's interesting. Or you could just have them take it like water off a duck's back and be like... Well, I kind of guessed that I was losing anyway. You'd be very happy. And, and nothing is as good as like a redemption story for that character then. Being able to find their own happiness, maybe even with another rape or a fun ship that they're, you know, not often involved in. Because you can also have multiple ships in one story. Yeah, so so let's make this concrete a little bit, right? So we talked earlier about how uh, in the Harry Potter fandom, for example, there's a very common uh, Hermione and Draco ship. Well, canon has Hermione together with Ron. So how do we go about clearing the deck so we can get our Hermione and Draco story? Uh, method one, which we have all already addressed is make Ron so massively unbearably out of character that Hermione can't stand him and she flees into the arms of Draco. Well, again, hand of the author is super visible here, obviously provocative, is going to start a lot of fights on, on that basis and others, right? Another thing, but there are other ways that you can do. You can have, for example, they start a relationship, they start to drift apart for whatever reason, and not because either of them are bad people, but because of some sort of fight that they're having or some sort of uh, basic incompatibility and have them that in this case, you can, you're treating them both with respect as still people with all their idiosyncrasies, but you are making it happen in a different way that still allows the characters to uh, function and breathe as they are, uh, but still ends up clearing the deck. Yeah. I mean, shit, sometimes people just don't, work as well as partners or even as close friends, but work better as a different type of interpersonal relationship. Or and there's the... Through there, no fault of anyone. There is the other option, which I've seen other authors who like dislike certain characters will do. It's like, I don't want to make this character a villain, but I'll kill them. Because <laughs> that's another thing if you could... It's just like, oh yeah, Ron died. And Hermione's really messed up about it. But Jake, Drake was going to be a rebound. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that one I mind less. Yeah, because it still like kind of respects the character, but it's just kind of like, I, I don't need you here, so I'm just going to throw you in the death pit. <laughs> yeah, so another another thing that you can do, especially if, uh, if you know, we're talking about your uh, '90s cartoons example, right? Where the where the characters have uh, have a relationship that maybe is not romantic yet, but like would be if the author, if the writers were able to. Uh, in cases like that, you can uh, have them not even get to the romantic relationship part. I read a wonderful story wherein two characters who um, have been together for. Uh, a long time uh, were never took that extra step to make it a romantic relationship. Uh, they, one of them tried it and the other said, you know, 
you are my platonic life partner, but this is this isn't us. And that ended up clearing the deck for each of them to get their own romantic relationships while still being tight with each other. And so that made everyone happy. Yeah, we're basically going through like how, you know, the sort of like, okay, person in popular ship becomes bad guy for other ship to be good. Like, it's... I don't want to say it's bad, because it can be executed well and well-written, but it's a trope I don't like, because I feel like often they're turning characters who are not like that into, into like, oh, the ex you got to run away from, you know, or something like that, you know, and it's... Yeah, it also brings in, like, elements of stories that you might not want to see a lot of the time when you're looking for that chip, because... It's like, okay, now the story has to be about this thing, and I don't really care for this aspect, you know? Right. The character A and B broke up because character A turned abusive. Okay, congratulations, your fluffy romance just turned into an abuse story. Great. Good job. Yeah, Which, and if that's the story you're setting out to tell, then that can be interesting. But if you're trying to tell a story with fluff, especially if you tag it with things like fluff. And then you start it with that. Um, you're going to be taking people's kneecaps in an, a not fun way. Right. There's there's tonal inconsistency, right? When you use a method to clear the deck, you you need to choose that, you know, not at random. Right. These things are these a lot of topics are loaded in themselves and uh, you don't want to we don't want to treat those lightly. Right. If uh, to, to use our same example, if the reason Hermione broke up with Ron was because he was abusing her. If you want that to be like the stories about that, that's one thing. If that's just your method to clear the deck and then after the first couple paragraphs, it's not important anymore. Yikes. Yeah. At that point, just say uh, we grew apart. Because yeah. <laughs> that that gives the same, it gives you the same conclusion. <laughs> it's just this one you're trying to make Ron look like an asshole to do it. <laughs> yeah. So so rare pairs, like we said at the at the start of this segment, ha generally have a higher bar to clear because like rare pairs tend to be non-canonical. Um, and of course, if your if your rare pair is. Uh, is between minor unimportant characters that may not have ships or are or you're writing for minor characters who are in a relationship, then you don't have to clear the deck or you have to put less work into it. And of course, if you're writing for a common ship, you may not have to clear the deck at all. That that's one of the advantages that fan fiction has as as a form of writing. Because the audience comes in with certain characters and certain uh, baggage, right? All this context already within them. Uh, it can take very little effort to sell uh, to sell a relationship, whether it either because it's a can, can canon or because everyone assumes that it is or will be, right? So um, that's one of the advantages of writing for a common ship as opposed to a rare ship is you don't have to clear the deck. It it, it already is. Yeah, I yeah, and when you also get like certain stories that you're like, oh yeah, this only becomes important like this late on. If I go back in the story far enough, that's not even an element I need to worry about. So you're kind of clearing the deck by going back and rewriting parts instead. Like nothing about that character who they would eventually end up changes, but maybe other characters do, and that's what you know, means that this ship doesn't have them, but instead this one does because of different elements. Or you are in, especially with video games, whereas these days a lot of video games allow you the option to, you know, pick characters being in relationships anyway. There's a lot of time that those characters can end up alone, so you just go, okay, I can make up an ending with these people. I play a lot of Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem has different relationship endings for a ton of characters. So you just go, okay, these two don't have one in the game, but they can end up with, like, eight different other people. Let's just make one up here. And how that would make sense based on, like, the character's other endings. And and that's 
great as well. And, you know, and it's basically trying, if you don't want to deal with like, you know, established relationships, just go earlier in the story before those things or earlier in like the history of the the world to where you go, okay, this character is single right now. I can do that. You can also use a use. A use are very useful for this. Uh, where just be like, oh yeah, that character doesn't exist or we're in a universe that these characters haven't met, whatever. You can find ways around it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the excellent point. I'm so jealous that you came up with that. You got to that first. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going back to an earlier point of the story of the canon story to where relationships haven't formed is is one way to clear the deck and nudge the story in a different direction. Another thing, um, and like you said with AUs, and it doesn't even have you don't even have to erase or or use the AU as a as an excuse for a character to. Um, to not be part of it, you can, if a character, if it's an AU where a character is different for some reason, um, so to go back to our well-worn example, for uh, if we had an AU where, uh, where Ron doesn't end up in the same house with Hermione to allow their relationship to start to bubble up, for whatever reason, he ends up in another house. Uh, we have the character of Ron more or less intact, uh, but now he there's not the same connection that he has with Hermione, and so we don't have to break that down at any point. It never forms, and so that has cleared the deck without hurting anyone's feelings. Yeah, you just look yeah. at, like, you make one change, and it's like, that change allows me to do a lot. <laughs> yeah, but you still have to put in... Even after you set up the relationship, now you have to put in more work, especially for a rare pair, on the theory of attractiveness and why this relationship is happening. How's that for a transition? That That's a pretty good transition. I mean, we're ruining all these transitions by then going, oh, that was a good transition, or oh, that was a shit transition. But We gotta, we gotta pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> <laughs> right, so theory of attraction, right? What makes this... Pairing, appealing, right? What about it gets your attention? Why do they like each other? Um, sometimes it's uh, it, it can be for it, there are as many reasons for it as there are reasons for liking for wanting to write about the ship. Um, but the difference between writing for rare pairs and writing for common ships is that again, a lot of times with common ships, you can get away with underplaying it. Or you can take your cues from how the relationship worked in canon. So, for example, um, if you were going to ship out of Ruby, Blake, and Yang, you wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel in terms of why they might be interested in each other, things that they might like about each other, how they met. All of that already exists. You don't have to. You don't have to invent it from scratch. But if you were going to uh, ship Blake with someone else, then you would have to start putting in the work as to what they see in that person, what catches their eye, what starts to make the relationship make sense. Now, most often for good fan fiction, uh, you will have a theory of attraction, uh, a theory of attraction, even um, if it's an established pairing. Right, you'll still have. There will be evidence at some point as to what they like about each other. Hopefully. Um, what they see in each other, but it's much more important to get that down to make that to lay that groundwork uh, in a rare pair because you're having to invent a lot of it. You can't operate with the assumption that oh, of course they're going to ship these two characters. No, nah, that's your job. Yeah, you've got to sell it to you know people who because you are a rare pair, you don't have that built-in like audience because it's like only five other people have written about this you know <laughs> those five people will like it but what about past them so then you're looking at people who like the characters of as individuals and then beyond that it's like okay now i gotta really put my working boots on because if you write a, write a common pair you also have a lot else a lot more to take from you know it's like oh typical tropes between these characters 
this characterization and this one it meshes well together whereas with a rapey you're working to see the links find the story what makes these two characters what pulls them to together and stuff like that like and and that's when we talk about rare ships that's really what we mean is like there's an usually with a rare ship there's an idea or like one thing that you can see between the characters and go i can draw a line here how do i make that into a like a full-on like metal pipe instead of a piece of string <laughs> yeah, if I can give an analogy here, that's a much better version of the initial analogy I made in VC text earlier in the recording. Uh, having a ship that is ongoing and has the grand work for it, so like a common ship perhaps, or just a ship that is canon, is it's like having water flowing downhill. But with a rare pair, you don't have water at the top of the hill. It's not just gonna flow you have to pump it up to the top to get it to flow you have to put that work in i like that and so you know it it doesn't have to be hard or complicated necessarily um it is a lot you know you uh then you spoke to uh, it coming down to an idea right so sometimes it can be as simple if two characters the only interaction that we see them have in the source material is they get in a fight Oh, okay. So now let's develop them into a fighting is how we flirt couple, right? So it's not like you have to build everything from whole cloth or or subvert it. You can take the material that's there and still use it as your as your structure, right? You can take that as your starting point. You don't have to like disregard it. Um, but there there should be something, right? A negative example that I saw once was uh, a character. Uh, encounters uh, another, and they're they can't keep their attention off of character B's breasts. And like, okay, that's kind of legit, except they're like eighty million. You know, th- there's eighty other female characters in the class. You have not actually established a theory of attract a theory of attraction here. <laughs> You've just made the character a perv. Right. <laughs> because there's no reason there's no reason for character A to be looking exclusively at character B's boobs when there are lots of other boobs there. Right. That's not a theory of attraction that you you need to do more. That's called a stalker. <laughs> I mean, technically, no, but <laughs> very good starting grounds for a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> Only saying at one specific pay. Well, I mean, it's it, technically the act of stalking is more involved than that, right? <laughs> right. And so, so that, that's what I'm saying is that it should be something about the character, right? It should be a re- something about character B that is attraction that is particularly attractive to character A, or is a particular reason for them to have an interaction or seek out interaction with them. Um, that's what we mean by theory of attraction is what about B draws A to them. So in j- both in uh, for rare pairs and just generally speaking, um, it should be something about those characters and not something generic. Yeah. You, you got to make sure that that like element is also like a way you might want to do it is like you build the same character slowly. So imagine you had two side by sides and you add like each element and you wait until you find that element that would make the character go, I like one, but I don't like two. It's like maybe strip away stuff from the characters until you go, that is the thing here. Also kind of something related to this. Um, and I should hope most of our listeners already um, at least if they've been listening for a while, would know that you should probably do something more than just uh, take your main male lead and your main female lead, and because they're the main male lead and the main female lead, go, ah, they must relationship. I mean, it does happen quite a lot. <laughs> Pain of early 2000s cartoons. I mean, not only early 2000s I mean, that, that's just, just most media. In, yeah, most media, like... Oh yeah, Jon Snow and Daenerys should totally get together. It's like, why? why yeah, are you pushing for this. 
They were late at dawn. Heteronormativity. <laughs> Voice crack. Yeah. It, it, it's funny when I root against that. Like, I'm just like, nah. Get side character from this episode. That's his main ship. Get her in there. <laughs> you know, we go. But I know what you mean. It's like, uh, how boring would the world be if it, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be Vi and Jace. Great. <laughs> <laughs> like don't that's the kind just of like thing. I guess it's like kind of encouraging doing more than ah yes this character is X and that character is Y haha <laughs> chromosome pun um <laughs> which fun fact terrible thing at determining gender does not have much effect on it <laughs> necessarily at all but I digress. <laughs> but I digress. Where was I going with this? Right. Um, do something just kind of more complex than uh, stapling characters together because societal norms say they should be together? Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, the most important boy in the story and the most important girl in the story have to get together. Like? Like, you know. Like, why? Like, nah. Just do something. It doesn't even have to be, you know, like, it doesn't have to be gay, but of course, I mean, you know, we always champion that. But even just like, oh, yeah, that villain, he's into the villain and she's into this side character who's tangentially evolved in the story. But he's really cool. <laughs> like, that's way more interesting. <laughs> and guess what? Main male and main female being very close friends. That's also interesting because they've got no romantic involvement. And it doesn't happen often enough. Yeah, like, people who, like, are like, yeah, no Ruby and Jean shipping, please. (laughs) No, I mean, so, I mean, it's more popular than I think, more common than I think than you give it uh, credit for. I mean, Luke didn't get the girl after all. Han got the girl, right? But no one would mistake Han for the main character. Um, But, but in general, but I think, um, I think we... Uh, get the idea and but it also it also the the tendency to uh have the the female lead and male lead uh be together is partly the result of you know there being so many romances where that is kind of the point of it where where they are the male and female lead because they're supposed to get together mm-hmm. um so there, it's it's formulaic in that regard, but it does speak to a, an important point that I do want to raise, which is the which is assumptions of uh, character sexuality. So when there will you may or may not encounter uh, people who have an assumption about what a character's sexuality will be, one way or another, and. Uh, anything that's going to end up counter to their preconceived notions, um, they're going to be upset about. Um, in general, there's not much to do about that other than say that's a you problem, <laughs> but it is something that you will encounter. Um, in general, um, these days, I just tend to assume that all the characters in various media are bisexual just because it opens up the most possibilities. Um, unless there is something that canonically says one thing or another. Uh, but that is not an assumption that everyone's going to make. And when I have an encounter with someone who is making a different assumption, then that can that can be a source of friction. Um, yeah. So just, something to, just a point to be raised. Yeah, and thank you for bringing that up. That was something that I think I actually probably mentioned during one of our last shipping episodes. Um or maybe I didn't because some of the incidents that happened with Twitter uh, hadn't <laughs> happened yet. But if you do headcanon, even if there is a popularly accepted headcanon of a character being a certain sexuality, whether that is a queer sexuality or not, and someone who has a differing sexuality on that, something that maybe you feel invalidates uh, something for you, just don't be a jackass about it. If you don't like it, don't read it. Um, Move on. That's 
you don't you you can frankly just kind of forget about it it's not it does not have to be your problem yeah yeah like it's called fan fiction for a reason you know at the end of the day it's just fans taking elements they like or they want to play with and then writing it themselves if they want to take a canon straight character and make them gay that's fine same thing the other way around because ultimately they are writing for themselves or a small audience that agrees yes i want to read that they're not writing for you you don't have to read it <laughs> you can read the other stuff yeah it's funny that uh that you two were uh, addressing the same topic as speaking to readers. And I was addressing the topic, speaking to writers that I think yeah. that's fun, but, uh, but this is where tagging can be a big thing uh, for communicating what the nature of the characters and what the nature of the, of the ships therein are going to be because a lot a properly tagged story can forestall a lot of that by essentially waving the go away flag to to people who aren't going to be interested in that given pairing right and oh, so yeah. so properly tagging with AO3 and AO3's tagging is particularly powerful for this but um properly tagging the story is important not just for bringing in the clicks even though it does that but it's also important for setting expectations uh with potential readers as to what is going to be coming, which is kind of an issue for me because I, I tend to under tag because I'm like, why this is something that I want you to develop with and, and, and be surprised by even though, even if it makes sense later. Um, but like, how can I surprise you if I tell you what is going to happen in the tags? So I, I have, I have eternal, uh, angst about how to use the tags and but that's a me issue the point is that's pertinent to this discussion is that properly tagging your story can do a lot to uh, make sure you reach the people you want and give the people who uh, don't want to read it fair warning yeah there's um there's a couple of tags out there for fanfic where if i see that tag like nine times out of ten i just won't read it. I'm just moving past. And it's not because it's bad writing. It's not because I think the people that write for that tag are bad. None of that. That's not the case. It's just, I don't tend to enjoy it. It's, it's not what I'm looking for. And so, sometimes in certain cases with certain authors, I'll go, you know what? I like this author in particular. I'm curious on how they might do a take on it. Or if in combination with other tags, I'll go, you know what? I kind of want to see what they're cooking here. Hmm. But usually for me, it's something where I just, I don't want to read it. There hasn't been anything yet where I have uh, felt the need to block the tag uh, on AO3 yet. I, I assume that will happen eventually. There will be something where I just get so teed off by that I won't want to read any more of it. And it doesn't even need to be for really any reason other than it annoys me. Curate your online experiences, folks. If there's something that annoys you and you don't want to be annoyed, block it. I only have one thing blocked on AOF. Dylan League of Legends. <laughs> but, you know, this discussion of tagging, isn't this a lot? When I was listening to you uh, describe the... the um, how you are interacting with the tags. Uh, isn't that sort of the difference between common ships and rare pairs in a nutshell, right? The, the rare pairs are the ones tend to be the ones that people skim right past unless they're specifically looking for it. it unless, you know, it's some, mm -hmm. there's something else that drives a, draws a person to a story and the common ships are the ones that people look for. I think you just sort of gave a, an encapsulation of a, of the typical interaction or relationship between people and rare pairs and common ships. Good job. There's another thing that I want to talk about that's not related to this, but it's just like a question I want to pose to you guys. It was something that me and Maya's partner were talking about, uh, as we typically do. Uh, 
we were talking about how we were playing Baldur's Gate 3, and I asked him a question about how do you feel about every, like, romanceable character being bisexual? And they were like, ah, I don't mind it, whatever. And I said, I hate it. <laughs> and this comes from, like, not just Baldur's Gate 3, but other games I play where I, I hate Avatar sexuals. Are, are you guys familiar with Avatar sexuals? Uh, yes, I'm familiar with the concept. Uh, I don't really play many... Uh, I almost said I don't play many TTRPGs, which is patently untrue. I play a lot. Uh, I don't play many RPG video games. Um, hmm. QRPG7 joke. Uh, <laughs> but I I think really the main ones that I have, the ones that like allow you to explore relationships between the character and the character you play. I don't know why I said the character, which I mean, I suppose yeah. is technically true. You are the character, but I digress because I'm getting distracted looking for Steam so I can find the names of the games. But it's <laughs> which I don't know why I'm doing that, because I know what they are. It's Baldur's Gate 3 and Cyberpunk 2077, hmm. neither of which I have played. No, I've played them both. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> yeah, um, my point... Uh, probably the idea of using the Avatar as a way to explore alternative identity. Um, I mean, that's definitely why I bought Cyberpunk 2077. I learned you could make a trans character and went, fuck it, we ball, and pre-ordered the game, which may have been a mistake, but... <laughs> Uh, I that's where I was going. I haven't played either game really enough to like do multiple playthroughs. I I tend to get kind of distracted with single player games, and I very very rarely uh, get more than about twenty five hours in a single player game. Uh, Baldur's mm -hmm. Gate three is one of the very few where that's happened, and I actually still haven't hit a uh, hundred hours in Baldur's Gate. Yeah, my basic point around the entire everyone is bisexual thing is i feel like it takes away a little bit it's like oh okay every everyone is bi uh, you you're kind of lessening those characters like wouldn't it be interesting if this character was only into the avatar if the avatar was a girl like isn't that a little bit more interesting or if this character is only into them if they're a guy. So this character is confirmed straight. This character is confirmed uh, by... Or, and this one, you know, so you actually get the full breath instead of everyone is bisexual. It's just like, okay, you you just want to please everyone, <laughs> you know. I mean, sure. I mean, um, I, I, my, my caveat was that it, it, unless canonically stated, right, that's... It, that was where my was assumed. So mm -hmm. again, return to to Ruby Ilya confirmed homosexual. Okay, I'm not messing with that. And you know that assumed by until proven otherwise, basically. <laughs> yeah, but but if demonstrated otherwise, respect. Yeah, <laughs> because you, you when you do mess around and go, I'm gonna put a gay character in a straight relationship. Yeah, you're begging for the pitch folks to come out, so you're you're very brave to do that, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if I'd lionize it um, by by saying that, yeah, but I mean, whatever. I mean, it, it is I, a I just feel at the end of the decision to make. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're you know it's a little inconsiderate, but you know we've been saying seeing the other way do it, you know, for literal decades. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Why did just I open be... Steam? What was I doing for that? Oh, I think I know the point. Um, Cyberpunk 2077, Dylan, because um, you brought that up, does not have the characters or avatar sexual. Char you can only romance certain characters of certain genders. Hmm. Uh, so I, I've, those are like really the two like big RPGs that I have played where you can do that. And, well... I mean, I guess Skyrim, but, like, one, I haven't played it in, like, five years, and two, I didn't really play that much Skyrim. I got a little bit far into it and got bored. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's this, an old game. Yeah, this comes from, basically, my, my, like, relationship with, like, Fire Emblem, where the Avatar is able to romance certain males and certain females, 
uh, in gay and uh, lesbian and straight relationships. All that. But in Fire Emblem, you can also have characters that are not the Avatar relationship each other as well. And the, while the character... the If you are playing a female Avatar, you can have, like, say, a a uh, lesbian ending with Edelgard. But Edelgard doesn't have any confirmed other lesbian endings with any other characters. And that's kind of where my point comes from when I have to sexuals is like, you're not really making the sexuality of the character important here. It's literally, ooh, Avatar-kun, come here. <laughs> and I'm just like, nah, yeah. kind of. That's like, come on. <laughs> you're, I don't need more main character praise in this game already. <laughs> Yeah, so just something to think about when, and that it tends to be uh, something that comes up more common in discussions of rare pairs. So, but uh, yeah, but not always the case. It depends upon depends upon uh, the specific fandom that you're dealing with. But yeah, so overall, when talking about rare pairs and and uh, common ships, think about what the goal of the story is what audience that you're writing for. I write primarily for myself, but that's, you know, not a choice that everyone makes. Um, think about how you're going to clear the deck and how much work you're going to have to put into that. Uh, think about what your theory of attraction is. And when you're done with the story and ready to post it, tag it appropriately. That sound like a good summation. Yeah. Okay. How are we for everything? Uh, well, we've talked about just about everything I wrote in, except for yet another legally mandated TLT segment. It's but... not legally mandated. Stop it. <laughs> yes, it is. Anyways, <laughs> we are also kind of at time. So, do we have anything in the mailbag today? Uh, no new mail today. If you want to yell at us about uh, anything that we got wrong about your ships. Uh, our email is fanfictapes at gmail.com. I'll go ahead and forward those on to Brian. You can also leave us a comment on our YouTube channel or a review on Apple Podcasts. We also like receiving any ratings on Spotify. You can also reach out to us on social media. We currently have a presence on Twitter, formerly X. Maya runs that channel. I do. Uh, it is at fanfictiontapes, all one word, capital F, capital T. And uh, if you send me death threats uh, or anything of the like, I will frame them and put them up on the wall. So it won't work. happened? <laughs> no, but I'm hoping that would intimidate assholes. Uh, and th this was the Shipping Wars episode. Like, people have done far more for way less on the internet, unfortunately. Ah, but you see, we didn't endorse any specific ships. We very tactically stayed out of the individual wars and simply made note of their existence. Therefore, everyone's convinced we're on their side. Is canon eat it? And there it is. So... Brian, do you have any social media or other, like, works and things of yours that you would like to promote on the show? I have no social media because I'm a bit of a hermit, but I do have uh, stories that I've been writing. I've I've actually been shockingly productive lately, and I'm, I'm posting with some regularity, but um, the... The main things that I write for and continue to write for, because I really only do one fandom at a time is a rule... Um, but I'm writing in the Ruby fandom for I've got a uh, a Battletech AU that I'm posting now. So putting Ruby characters in big stompy robots and seeing what happens. And then in the more distant future, in, starting posting in February, I have a role swap, uh, a Penny Ruby role swap story in the works that I will be posting. So I'm looking forward to that because it makes me happy. Interesting. I have a friend who I'm going to have to subject to your mech fic after I read it. <laughs> and uh, and after, after they watch the show. Wonderful. So, I am and have been Maya, and today I was joined by... Dylan. And Brian. And I'm Ian. Until next time.
Bye. 